Good evening, everyone. Uh, I hope my sound quality is okay. Uh, we have I have load shedding. Maybe many of you are in the same position, but uh, so it's a bit um, the light lighting isn't so good tonight. I hope my signal will hold out. But anyway, it's good to be with all of you. Let's uh, sing a hymn together. Praise the Lord. Tonight, we are going to proclaim the year of Jubilee. We want the Lord to minister this word to us tonight. Oh, may we all enjoy this word. How the Lord began his ministry. So Etienne, if you are ready, then uh, you, can, you can begin to play the hymn for us. And then we can just sing along with the lyrics. It's not, science, it's not one of the hymns uh, with the hymn number. Amen. Sorry. The Lord has given freedom to all who just believe Him. Be no longer enslaved.
Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Find satisfaction Amen. and peace here for Amen. ever to stay. Amen. 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 The Lord has given freedom to all who just believe Him. Amen. 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 This is the year of Jubilee. Proclaim our liberty in Him. Amen. 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 We no longer enslaved. Come now, return to Jesus. Amen. 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 This is the year of Jubilee. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This is the year of Jubilee. Amen. 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 Him every day. Amen. 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 Oh, Amen. we need to reclaim our land. Oh, our God Amen. as a rich possession. Oh, Amen. we need to rest on Him every day. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We can also enjoy you with God's family. Amen. Find our satisfaction. Hallelujah. Amen. Find our peace. The slaves have been returned to him, released from toil, anxiety, and sin. This is the year Amen. of Jubilee. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. The slaves have been returned. Amen. Amen. Saints, let's sing this hymn again, and then we can enjoy what the Lord has done for us. He has given freedom. Praise the Lord. We've been returned. We've, we've, we were slaves. We were under bondage of sin. The slavery of sin, Paul calls it. We had no freedom. We were even alienated from the life of God. But the Lord has come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Hallelujah. This is our liberty. We need to sound this out. We can be released from all our toil. Thank you, Lord. All our anxiety, all our sin. And we reclaim the land, our portion. God, God is our rich possession. So let's feast on him uh, by singing this with our spirit to the Lord.
Let's proclaim our liberty by reading some verses in the Bible. 
Amen. Amen. I really God's word together. Amen. So, uh, tonight we're going to read uh, Luke chapter 4 from verse 14 up till the end of chapter 4. We'll finish chapter 4 tonight. We'll read from verse 14 up to verse 44. Um, so that's about 30 verses. Maybe you can break us up in groups for seven minutes. I think should be sufficient. And then in our groups, we can just read through these verses together. Amen. Praise the Lord. So saints, David is going to share with us just now. He just ran out of, uh, I think, battery power, something on his phone. While he is just getting ready, um, maybe I'll just give us a little introduction to what we covered last week. Uh, this section that we're going into now if you look at your recovery version bible if you have one and you go to the beginning of luke the book of luke you'll see there's an outline and um the outline points out to us that we are now busy with the third major section in the book of luke so it started with the introduction and then it went to the preparation of the man's savior in his humanity and with his divinity so the Lord is being prepared as our man savior. Praise the Lord. He came as the man savior, not just uh, to be God, but the Lord can be our savior because he is man today. So because the Lord is man, he can be our man savior. So God prepared such a man, but this man lived a life with the highest standard of morality. And this is what we have seen throughout the first four chapters so far, is that his standard of morality was unlike what is being taught among, uh, you know, other, other uh, teachers, psychologists, um, religionists, people who might follow some philosophy. Some philosophers teach very good morality. But the Lord's morality was not that kind of a morality. His morality was a, an expression of his human virtues. He lived a life in these human virtues, but with the divine attributes. So the divine attributes were strengthening and enriching the Lord's human virtues. We all have human virtues, but our human virtues are, are short, right, of the Lord. So... Okay, I see David is back. So let me just quickly finish. So, so the first section, we see this, how this man's savior is being prepared to be our savior. He's, he's our man's savior with this uh, human living that is being enriched with the divine attributes. And at the same time, now we've seen how the Lord has been prepared as this one. Now, when the Lord begins to minister in chapter four, and this is quite a long section, it's from uh, chapter 4 up to chapter 19. The Lord is now ministering. And uh, maybe I'll just share this. Maybe David will, can just repeat what I'm sharing and, and just uh, help us to see it a bit more clearly. But, but when he begins his ministry, we still want to see that he is uh, an expression, not just of a human, but of human virtues. In other words, he is an expression of what God created man to be yes we are all human but we know through the fall of man our expression 
does not match God, right? Our love, yes, there's love, but is it enriched with the divine attributes? Is it the expression of God through our human virtues? So the Lord, he is not just living a human life, but he is living out the human virtues with which God created us to express him. And he's not just with divinity, but he's with the divine attributes. In other words, he has what the divine attributes is actually what matches our human virtues. It's how our human virtues is, a, is, a, is an image. Our human virtues is an image of the divine attributes. So when this this man savior begins to live, he's not just living with divinity, like some kind of supernatural power, but he's living an expression of human virtues with divine attributes. In other words, the very image in which we were created fills up his human virtues and then becomes his expression to be his ministry on the earth today. Okay, so this is how the Lord begins his ministry in chapter 4. So, David, you can carry on for us, brother. Amen. Praise the Lord, saints. Um, so good to be with you again. It's been quite a while since I've been at the Bible studies, but I'm happy I can um, share a little bit with you tonight. Yeah. Just, Adrian, can you hear the generator going, or is the noise cancellation cancelling it out? Am I clear enough? You're very clear, brother. Yeah. Okay. Praise the Lord. Sounds very good. Amen. Okay. Oh Lord. So yeah, like Adrian, I'll just yeah, I'll just start. Like Adrian was saying about the sections. Um, if you go to the front of Luke in the recovery version, you'll see the first four verses are a little summary. Sorry, not a summary, an introduction by Luke, just saying why he wrote this. That could be considered the first section. But then the real first meaty section is what Adrian was talking about, is from chapter 1, verse 5 to chapter 4, verse 13. And the outline here says, it's, or points out that that is the preparation of the man-savior in his humanity with his divinity. So we've the past week seen all kinds of um, aspects of in his humanity, but yet with his divinity. Like... Um, He's subject to his parents as a man, as a 12-year-old, as a boy, but he takes care of the things of his house, of the, his father's house, showing that he's divine. And so that's in his humanity with his divinity. But now in chapter 4, from verse, uh, from verse 14, it's now the section title, you could say, is the ministry of the man-savior. Not the preparation of the man-savior, but the ministry of the man-savior in his human virtues with his divine attributes. So earlier section was the preparation in his humanity with his divinity. Now it's his ministry in his human virtues with his divine attributes. And yeah, so that this section goes all the way up till chapter 19, verse 27. And the first half or so is in Galilee, which was a place of darkness where the Lord in other verses, it says he's coming as a great shining light to shine on the people in the Galilean darkness. So, yeah, let me just give you some examples of how he ministers in his human virtues with his divine attributes. I really like seeing this. I'll give you three examples. One is in chapter 7 of Luke, from verse 36 to 50, where there was that woman. She was a sinful woman, came from a sinful background, but 
she came and for some reason while Jesus was sitting with the Pharisees eating, this lady came and started weeping and washed the Lord's, let me just get a um, charger quickly for my phone. But she, she washed the Lord's feet with her tears while he's eating. Now, would you like maybe we would have been annoyed and been like, What's what are you doing? I'm busy trying to have a meal here. But the Lord was very gracious and forgiving and kind. He didn't rebuke her, he was very patient with her. And that is an expression of the human virtues. So the Lord has both human virtues and divine attributes. Okay, wonderful. So I'm plugged in. So, yeah, in chapter 7, verse 36 to 50, we can see that his human virtues were expressed of being very kind and patient with a sinful woman. She, he realized that she had been convicted of her sins, and that's why she came to um, anoint the Lord or wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair. And the Lord wasn't only kind and patient, he was also merciful. He could sympathize with her. And he wasn't just merciful but he was understanding and wise and loving because he knew her condition often we don't understand people They're like oh, i don't understand you why do you think that way why are you doing like that but the lord showed expressed this human virtue of understanding and wisdom and love to this sinful woman who had been convicted of her sin so that's all in the human virtues side so where do we see the divine attributes um, you could see the divine attributes in that in this little story the lord forgave this woman of her sins, only as only God can do. We see the divine forgiveness. Amen. So we see he's ministered in his human virtues with his divine attributes. Okay, next story where we see this is the parable of the Good Samaritan in chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. And there it's easy to see the Lord's human virtues, how he helped this person who is um, wounded by the wayside. He was courageous, he wasn't self-serving, he was caring for others. We see this human virtues. And, but then where do we see the divine attributes? I like this, that, do you know what he said to the innkeeper? He took him to the innkeeper and didn't just say, I saw this guy sick and I was so good in my human virtues to take him to you. He didn't even, I mean, he didn't even just do that in his human virtues and leave him there. But then listen to this, he gave the innkeeper two denarii which is, I mean, a good amount of money to take care of this guy. And he said, um, you know, take care of him. He has some money. And whatever you need in addition to this, when I return, I will repay you. Like, that is so unexpected. I would never imagine somebody doing that. I mean, it's one thing, somebody so courageous and good to bring somebody to the inn who they found fell off their motorbike or whatever. Um, take him to hospital, find the ambulance, but then to like go to the to the place where he is and give the money for the hospital or the inn and say, whatever you need more in addition to this, I'll pay it when I come back. Like that is unexpected and unanticipated. And only God can act in that way. Only that is an expression of the divine attributes. The way he was so unexpected and unanticipated in in his behavior with the innkeeper. And then the third example is the Lord's word to the thief on the cross, where he said, um, I mean, he was there, well, where he said, you know, the Lord, the other, the thief who was crucified next to him said, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said, truly, I say to you, I'll, 
what today or tomorrow or something, I'll see you in paradise. Truly, I said, yeah, I'll see you in paradise. So there, while he was suffering and cold, like it's winter here, but it was cold there and he didn't have any, I mean, he was stripped of his garments and he was suffering with nails in him and bleeding and I don't know, probably not being able to breathe properly. I would have just been like putting myself. But Jesus instead, he's, he saves this guy and he gives an encouraging word to this guy, this guy next to him. That's um, really the, you see the human virtues expressing the divine attributes. You don't just see the divine attributes or just the human virtues. You see the human virtues expressing the divine attributes. Amen. Okay, I'm surprised my phone is still working. So now we come to this um, chapter, chapter four, verse 15, no, verse 14. So I'll just highlight a few things and then I'll um, hand over to Adrian. So in verse 14, it says, and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee. Okay, so the, until chapter nine of verse 50, it's his ministry in Galilee. Um, and he returned in the power of the spirit. That's the same spirit with which he was anointed at his baptism for the economical move of God. He wasn't just with the born of the spirit, essentially, which we also see from Luke that uh, Mary conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus from his conception had the Holy Spirit in his essence. But now he started to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit that you could say is the economical spirit for God's economy and for God's move and his plan. And the reports about him went out through all the surrounding region. And what was the first thing he did in his ministry? He taught in their synagogues and was glorified by all. So the teaching was to bring the divine light. It's like um, if I turn off the light, you won't see a thing. Um, these people in Galilee were in darkness, but he, he, his teaching unveiled God to them and gave them the food of God. He, his words was, he became the heavenly food out of heaven. Uh, he became the light of the world to nourish and to supply and give light through his teaching to those in the synagogues. That was where the, the people there came to worship God and to read the scriptures and to learn about God. Um, and the only reason they didn't know God was because they had fallen in sin, like all of us. We're all born in sin. We, we come into this world in sin. But Jesus enlightened these, these people who needed the teaching of God. He taught them in the synagogues. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your teaching. And he also did, uh, later on, he, he like healed, and, uh, but I'll leave that for, for another time. So then I just want to also highlight verse 18. So he went into the synagogue and he stood up and he read for them, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to announce the gospel to the poor. So that's the first thing, the gospel, announce the gospel. That means to evangelize. And the poor is those who are poor in spiritual things, not just the physically poor. Um, because actually all of these things is not just physical things. We read it in the groups now, so I'll just expand it a bit now before reading it. Um, in, in verse 22, okay, he had words of grace, but in verse 21, the words of grace was, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So that means as they were hearing it, all these things were happening. Um, he was announcing the gospel to the poor, 
he was proclaiming release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and sending away and release those who were oppressed. And he was proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. As they were hearing it, the spiritual reality of these verses was happening. So it wasn't only that like blind people were getting their sight as they were listening, but they, we have to see the spiritual significance. So the, the gospel to the poor um, means he was giving the gospel of the kingdom of God. He was evangelizing, okay, to bring people into the kingdom of God. Then he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and release to those who are oppressed. Like shame, it's not nice to be a captive or a prisoner of war. It's like the enemy has taken you. You are trying to beat the enemy. Enemy has taken you captive and you're in prison. And you've got no freedoms, no liberty, no ability to do what you want. And it's the suffering. And so that's happened in a spiritual sense to us um, through Satan making us captive to sin through the sin that came into us through Adam's fall. But Jesus releases us, amen, from the captivity, from the prison of Satan, from the prisoner of walk cell, amen. He, he proclaims release, what a blessing, what a ministry. Oh, in his humanity and with his divinity, with his human, in his human virtues, with his divine attributes. He proclaims release. He proclaims recovery of sight to the blind, the spiritually blind. Um, yeah, and he releases all who are oppressed under Satan, sickness, and sin, or sin. He, all kind of oppression, he releases us. So it's the gospel, that's the first thing. Second thing is the, the kind of release from oppression. And then the third thing here is the proclaiming of the acceptable year of the Lord. And that comes from, I think, Leviticus 25, where every seven years, there would be the acceptable year of the Lord, where the year of Jubilee, where the slaves, somebody who wasn't very good in life, and they didn't, I don't know, for some reason, they didn't have enough money or something, or they didn't work hard enough. They had to sell themselves as, under slavery and work for somebody else. Um, and just do whatever they said and kind of be their property. But then on the seventh year, they got released. They got their freedom back. They got their land back. So that could signify us coming into the, into the well, I'm just thinking now, into the church life. We got our property back. We got our portion back, which God has allotted to us. So we enjoy Christ. I was so enjoying um, in some verses the other day that, I mean, Jesus was in the house of Simon the leper. That we enjoy the house of Simon the leper, where there's there's Mary pouring herself out on the Lord, and there's Lazarus there, the testimony of the Lord's resurrection. There's the Lord speaking. There's the Lord's rich presence. We get our our portion back. Um, nothing religious. Praise the Lord. Um, those in religion in Jerusalem were plotting to kill the Lord. Anyway, so we get our real um, land back. That's the jubilee. We get the enjoyment of Christ with the saints. It's just like, you know what this really relates to? For me, it's um, Acts 26, where Paul said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And the heavenly vision he got, Paul got, is very similar to this vision, which was to when the Lord said to Paul, uh, the Lord sent Paul to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the authority of Satan to God, 
that they may receive forgiveness of sins. That's the release from the oppression of the devil. And this whole thing is the gospel announced to the poor. Uh, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. That's, a, that's our land back. That's the year of Jubilee. An inheritance among those in this meeting. We have an inheritance. We have a heavenly portion through being sanctified by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not our works. It's just by faith that he gives to us as well. Well, wow, all of this is included in this year of Jubilee. Amen. So that's the New Testament age that he was announcing there. The New Testament Jubilee. Okay. So then I'll highlight a few more things. Um, so yeah, he's, he, rolled, he said that, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, that's verse 20. He sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then all bore witness to him and marveled at the words of grace proceeding out of his mouth. He could underline words of grace. And that word of grace is refers to his word in verse 21, where it says, he said gracefully today, the scripture has been fulfilled. Amen. In all your, your hearing, all your brothers and sisters hearing, he spoke that to them in the synagogue. And that was a word of grace together with the word he read from the scroll about the gospel, the release from oppression and the year of Jubilee. Those were words of grace. However, then they said, is this not Joseph's son? That shows that they didn't know him according to the spirit. They just knew him according to the flesh. Um, they didn't realize who he was as a son of God. Um, and so then he kind, of, he kind of gives them a kind of a warning to say that the gospel is going to turn to the Gentiles. Um, yeah. So he says, no prophet is acceptable in his own country. That's a prophet, that, a proverb or something that they would say it among themselves. Um, and then he gives the story of two, two little stories. One is of a Gentile. He kind of, this whole portion is saying that the gospel would turn to the Gentiles. And the one example he uses is the widow in verse 26 from Sarepta of Sidon. And that's an example of feeding where God fed this widow, who was a Gentile widow, even though there were many in Israel who also needed food, many widows who needed food. And then the other example he uses is the cleansing of Naaman the Syrian from his leprosy. Uh, that's also a Gentile who received the cleansing of the Lord. And yeah, so that's quite merciful of the Lord. Again, he's kind of likening himself to the one who feeds and who cleanses, just like in the year of Jubilee. Um, yeah, this is his ministry. And then, this is quite sad, verse 28. He'd just spoken this words of grace to the people, um, which had been fulfilled in their hearing. He just taught them in the synagogue, like bringing them the divine light through the teaching of God. But then, because um, they rejected him, like they strongly rejected him, oh, this is just Joseph's son, and then, which prompted the Lord to explain how um like verse 23 says and he said to them surely you'll say this proverb to me physician heal yourself 
what we heard happening in Capernaum, do here also in your own country. And that no prophet was acceptable in his own country. It's like they rejected him completely. And as further proof that they completely rejected him, it says in verse 29, um, 28, it's just like Abel, um, who was like pleasing to the Lord, like the, in these cases, the, the Gentiles was receiving the, the good things of the Lord, the, the feeding and the cleansing. And then Cain got really jealous that he wasn't pleasing to the Lord and he got, Cain got angry. So in verse 28, and all in the synagogue were filled with anger when they heard these things. They weren't pleasing to God. They didn't receive Christ. And so they were, they, they were angry. Their face was not, it was downcast. And they, they then did the sin. They, then they rose up and they cast him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built so that they might throw him down the cliff to, to kill him. Can you imagine that? He'd just done all these gracious things to them and they completely rejected him. I don't understand that very well, but yeah, they rejected him and therefore they got filled with anger and did this wicked thing. But verse 30, he passing through their midst went away. And the footnote there says, showing his steadiness under the threatening of his opposers. So again, there's his human virtues. He was not worried. He was not scared. He was not saying, I'm sorry, guys. I didn't mean to offend you with my stories about the Gentiles. He was just, um, he just walked away. He just passed through their mist. He went away. He, and I guess there's also his divine attributes here that um, being God it was not his time to die. And I don't know how he got got freed but that's an expression of him being god he just he just walked out of there not not bothered so yeah amen i'm gonna hand over to adrian praise the lord amen. brother thank you david grace to you brother thank you for sharing with us um so brand sisters praise the lord he came to announce the jubilee this is how the lord started his ministry um, as the man's savior. Uh, I'll just read a few more verses from uh, what David already uh, read and then maybe just share something related to these verses that I, I felt was very, um, just very touching how the Lord came. Um, so the first thing is in verse 14, it says that he returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee. So like David shared, Galilee was a place of darkness, actually. So his ministry in Galilee is um, a big portion. It's if you see uh, just one of the little headings above this verse, it says a in Galilee. So from verse 14, ah, chapter four, verse 14, up to chapter nine, there's a portion where the Lord is uh, ministering in this region of Galilee, which is a place of darkness. So his ministry brought in the light. And this he did in the spirit, in the power of the spirit. That's why his word was a proclamation. And it also was with authority. And his word was unlike that of the Pharisees. His word was a word of grace. Because he proclaimed this word in the power of the spirit. Paul said the same thing uh, 
when he wrote to the church of Corinth, where he said, our proclamation did not come in eloquence or in a demonstration of our, our, of our knowledge, but in demonstration of power and the spirit. So the Lord, he was conceived of the spirit inwardly. So he had the essential spirit. He was conceived of the spirit. And then at the same time, he was, uh, he, had, he was clothed with the spirit. When the spirit came upon him, when he was baptized, so that was the economical spirit empowering the Lord to carry out his ministry. So now the Lord is in the spirit, in the power of the spirit. He is now carrying out his ministry. And what does he do? He goes to teach in the synagogues. So he goes to, 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 to his teaching, begins to shine. It begins to bring the light. Isn't that what we want? the teaching of the new testament ministry to be to us a shining of light to those who are in darkness okay so on the sabbath he comes and he and he's given a portion of the scroll to read and the scroll it was the prophet isaiah that was handed to him and he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to announce the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send away in release those who are oppressed, okay, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Okay, so now before I, I'm getting, getting to the, this acceptable year of the Lord, the Jubilee, I just want to mention a few things in verse 18. This, this gospel is spoken to the poor. So that's not referring to those who don't have any money, okay? That's referring to those who are spiritually, uh, uh, they're spiritually poor. They don't have spiritual riches. Like the Lord says in Revelation, I counsel you to buy from me. You think, you think that, you are, that you are rich, but yet you don't know. You are blind. You are naked and you are poor and wretched. Therefore, I counsel you, buy from me. You're actually, you're, you're not in a good state. And this you wrote even to the church. So <laughs> maybe take heed to this word. The Lord comes to, to proclaim to the poor, to those who are spiritually poor. So those who are, uh, and then he says, to proclaim release. Okay, now this is very much related to Satan's work. Release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and send away and release those who are oppressed. Brothers and sisters, in the, isn't this the condition of mankind today? In, in, in utter bondage, bondage of sin, Paul says that I'm sold under sin. We are slaves. Many people think today they are so free to do whatever they want, but actually their freedom is not real. And actually they're not so free to do whatever they want. In fact, in Romans 7, Paul said that uh, the things I don't want to do, that I do. Why would he do the things that he doesn't want to do? Because he's a captive. He's a captive of sin. He's even a slave of sin. So, and then he says, the next thing the Lord, uh, well, Isaiah is writing, is recovery of sight to the blind. This is, this is uh, Satan 
under the power of Satan, he has blinded man. This is being under the power of Satan. In, uh, I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, Paul talks about how uh, um, man is under this bondage. Let me just read those verses quickly. Man is, uh, uh, he says, um, in verse in Second Corinthians four verse three, and even if our gospel is veiled, is veiled in those who are perishing, in whom the God of this age has blinded the thoughts of the unbelievers, that the illumination of the glory of God of glory of Christ, who is the image of God, might not shine on them. So here we see that man is in blindness under the power of Satan. Satan is keeping man. That's why we need to pray before we go out on the gospel, that we would bind the blinding one, because he is binding, he is blinding those who, to whom we want to minister, to whom we want to proclaim this gospel. Even we see this in the Lord's word here, right? He, he, uh, he, he comes, he speaks this word, everybody is marveling, but hearing these words of grace, they're astounded at his teaching. And then they want to go flip, throw him off a cliff. Like David said, how do you understand this? Well, brothers and sisters, we should not take lightly what the enemy's power is that blinds man. Even hearing the gospel from, from the man's savior himself, man is so blinded that he is unable. He, they know him as the son of Joseph. They know him according to the flesh, and that veils them. That, that hinders them from seeing who the Lord really is. It blinds them from receiving the words of grace and entering into the kingdom of God. Okay. And then the last thing is that he is, he is sent away in release those who are oppressed. So... We have a status of being in slavery of sin under the power of Satan, and we have lost our position. We are today, man is living under a lot of oppression. Isn't this your experience in contacting so many different kinds of people? You just see the enemy's work, this, these words, that is at work within man, that is at work to oppress man, to keep man who was created in God's image from fulfilling what God intended for man to express him. This, this uh, captive, this, this, this enemy of God, he is trying to, he is actually doing a lot of damage to mankind to keep man from fulfilling the purpose for which God created man. Okay, but what does the Lord do? As he begins, he begins to proclaim. And what does he proclaim? He proclaims the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. Brothers and sisters, this is what the Lord begins. Actually, this, you know what, what happens here in Luke 4? It is a change in the dispensation. Those who were hearing this, they probably had no idea what the Lord was talking about. They had no idea what was happening here. Well, it's clear that they didn't because they 
they ended up wanting to throw the Lord off the cliff. But but they were in such bondage and blindness that they probably heard these words and it caused them to marvel, but not, it's almost like the word couldn't penetrate them. Right? It's almost like the word, they, they, they couldn't see that there was a change happening here. Prior to this chapter, it was the dispensation of the law. That is how God dealt with his people is through the law. But from the time of Luke chapter 4, there is a proclamation of the acceptable year, the year of Jubilee. So just as a little bit of a background, I just want to read us um, uh, some verses from Leviticus 25. Oh, Lord Jesus. I'm not sure how many to read, <laughs> but these are very good. Leviticus chapter 25, and I'll read. You can, if I don't read all of the verses, read from verse 8 to 15. Maybe you will be able to read most of it. Okay, 25 verse 8. And you shall count of seven Sabbaths of years to yourself, seven times seven years, so that you have the time of seven Sabbaths of years, that is 49 years. Then you shall sound aloud the ram's horn in the seventh month of the tenth day of the month. On the day of expiation, you shall sound the trumpet throughout all your land. And you shall sanctify the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. Okay, so how the Lord dealt with his people at that time is every seventh year was a Sabbath year. That meant that during that year, you were not allowed to sow or reap. So that year, your land had to rest and you had to rest. All of the inhabitants had to rest in the good land. Prior to that, you had to save up. So you had some food stored up for the, year, for the Sabbath year because during the Sabbath year, you were not allowed to sow or reap. Okay, that was the, the Sabbath year. Then, he, then the year of Jubilee was the seventh Sabbath year. So that's seven times seven. So it's every seven years, there's a Sabbath year. So seven times that is 49. And then the next year, so you would have the seventh Sabbath year would be year 49 and then the next year would be another sabbath year but that sabbath year was a special sabbath year. that was the year of jubilee so what would happen is that if you were you all the israelites were given a portion of the good land when they went in to possess the good land they were all given an inheritance of the good land they were all given a a portion of the good land and that portion of the good land if you did not take care of your land and you did not use it in a good way, you might fall into some difficulty. So maybe at some point you had to sell a portion of your land. Maybe after a few more years, you had to sell another portion of your land. And then what you would get for your land was in proportion to the time until the Jubilee. Okay. So say it was very soon after the previous Jubilee you would get quite a lot for your land. But say it was very close to the year of Jubilee, you wouldn't get that much. Because what would happen is during the Jubilee, you would be given back your portion of that. So actually, there's no way you could lose your allotted portion. That allotted portion would always be yours. 
no matter how badly you took care of it. During the Jubilee, you would return. And that's why verse 10 in Leviticus 25 says, and you shall sanctify the 50th and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a Jubilee to you. And each of you shall return to his possession. Okay? So that means you would receive your land back. And each of you shall return to his family. So what would happen is, if after you sold your land, you still couldn't manage to, to, to sustain yourself or keep living, maybe you began to work somewhere, but it just you, you, you fell into further debt or something, eventually some of the Israelites would sell themselves. So they would become slaves. So they would sell themselves to someone and they would be slaves of that person. Okay. But on the 50th year, the seventh, after the seventh Sabbath, so that's the 50th year, you would be returned to your family. That means if you were taken as a slave and sold to someone else, to become their possession, right? Well, to become the possession of Satan. You would be returned back to your family. You'd be returned back to your people. You would not be a slave for longer than 50 years. Actually, if you, if you consider 50 years, you'll actually realize it's the span of man's life. Because... Uh, in Psalms, oh no, I forgot what reference it is. But anyway, in, uh, I'll, I'll I'll look at it a bit later. But but there's a Psalm in which Moses says that um, uh, if a man is man lives a full life, he'll live to seventy years, and if he's really strong, he'll live to eighty years. But now consider how the priests live. Right, they began to serve at the age of 30, just like the Lord Jesus. He began to minister at the age of 30. So if you take from 30 plus 50, that's about 80 years, right? So 50 years between the ages of 30 and 80, that's kind of your life, okay? That's the lifespan of fallen mankind. That span, that fallen mankind, you know what happened? We became slaves. We, 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 were, we were possessed <laughs> by the enemy. We were taken captive by the enemy. He has blinded us. And then not only that, he also, we, we, so our status was that of a slave. And we lost our possessions. We lost everything. We lost God as our portion. This is what God intended for man to have. Right in the beginning, he creates man in his image according to his likeness. But the way that man is going to fulfill God's desire to express God and to exercise God's dominion that he said that he created man for in Genesis 1.26 was by man receiving God as his life. In chapter 2, we see the tree of life. This was the way that God was going to fulfill his purpose. But what happened to man? He, he has the status of a slave and the position of God has been completely lost. In Ephesians chapter 4, I think it's verse 17, Paul says that 
we were alienated from the life of God. In other words, it was, it was completely foreign to us, right? It, man couldn't know it. Okay, so this is what the Lord is proclaiming as he begins his New Testament ministry. The New Testament ministry, actually, you know what? The whole New Testament is one great jubilee. The New Testament is the jubilee. It is the, the jubilee. It is the 50th year. It is after seven Sabbaths. It is the, the following jubilee year. Okay. Um, uh, is there another verse that I wanted to read related on, on Leviticus? Um, okay, maybe I'll, I'll just read that much and, and, and just leave the rest of the reading up to you, brothers and sisters, if you have the time and you can go read Leviticus 25. It gives very good insight into what has been happening, what's happening here in Luke chapter 4. Okay, which is uh, actually a portion from Isaiah, right? It's in Isaiah that the, that, that the Lord is reading here. So Isaiah, he says that there will be someone who will come and he will, and, 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 and this is what will happen. The spirit of the Lord is upon him. This is what, what Isaiah is, is, is prophesying, that there will be such a man. There will be such a person. And so in verse 19, the Lord says, this is the acceptable year. Praise the Lord. This is the acceptable year, brothers and sisters. This is the year that we are accepted. Man was so fallen, so corrupted, that man had no way to God. Man had no way to be acceptable before God. But now it is the acceptable year of the Lord. So now man can be accepted by God. Man can be return to God. Okay. Uh, then he rolled up the scroll and verse, I'm back in Luke 4, chapter, verse 29. He sat down uh, and all the eyes, the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all bore witness to him and marvel at the words of grace proceeding out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? I wonder what it was like sitting in that synagogue with the Lord. They marvel. And, and, and he's reading this, is this portion in Isaiah. And they must have been sitting there and thinking, well, what just happened? Then the Lord, after he's read, he read it, he said, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This, this very scripture that I was reading, you just witnessed the fulfillment of this prophecy. This is what this is who I am. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the Jubilee, the return. What God has intended for man. You're being, this is what I came for. I came to restore. I came to release. Release those taken captive. 
release those who are under bondage, under the power, under the blindness, under oppression. Oh, we need such a gospel. This is what the Lord came to proclaim. The words of grace. The dispensation of grace. In John 1, I think it's verse 16, 17, and 18, it says, Christ came and we beheld him full of grace and reality. That is the jubilee. The jubilee is really just the Lord Jesus himself coming to meet every man's need, coming to fulfill every man's heart's desire. This is really what all of us need, brothers and sisters. We need jubilee Jesus. We need Jesus to be our real jubilee. We need the Lord Jesus to come and proclaim this word to us, to minister to oppressed man, to man in bondage and blindness, to give us Christ as our rich possession. In Colossians uh, 1 verse 12, Paul says that we have been allotted a portion there has been something allotted to us. What has been allotted to us? Isn't it Christ? Isn't it, isn't it the triune God coming to reach man? Okay. So he comes to, to minister this word. So surely they, must, they were in awe. They were, they were marveling. But like I said, because they did not consider the Lord according to the spirit, but according to the flesh. Oh, is this not Joseph's son? Oh, we know his flesh. I can what he just read. I, this is astounding. But but we know him. But I know I know about the Lord. I've heard about I've heard the gospel. See, brothers and sisters, actually, and uh, no, I can't really share much about this. But this is a reality only in our spirit. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul tells us that um, it, is, it is through our spirit that we receive the divine things of God. He says God has prepared for us all these things to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But then he says, the Spirit of God reveals them to us, who is searching even the depths of God. And then later on, he says, the soulish man cannot receive the things of God, for they are discerned spiritually. So if we only are able to live and operate in our soul, we'll remain in darkness. And, and, and we'll be unable to receive the acceptable, we'll be unable to receive this gospel. This gospel of grace. This is not a shallow gospel, right, brothers and sisters? This is not just the gospel that's telling us, well, the Lord has come. He's died for your sins. Now, instead of going to hell, you're going to go to heaven. Thank the Lord. Well, praise the Lord that he came to die for us. But you know what? He has, he has proclaimed liberty to us. He has he released us from the bondage of our sin. We are no longer alienated from the life of God. We have now the life of God. We have become partakers of the divine life. This is what God has determined for us. 
this is what God desires to give to us, is, is his very self. But this is only received through our spirit, right? We want to be those who are able to discern these things, who are able to receive the things of the spirit of God, who are not hard of hearing. Because later on, the Lord says to them, he gives them a warning. Truly, I say to you that no prophet is acceptable in his own country. But in truth, I say to you, then he gives us two examples of Elijah, of Elisha. Where, did, where, where was the widow from? Not in Israel. Where was Naaman from? Not in, not in Israel. They're from Sidon and Syria. This is, so the Lord is looking for those who are able to receive him, who are able to not just to receive, oh, he's the son of Joseph. Oh, you know, this is quite a good word, but he's the son of Joseph. But able to receive him as the son of God, able to discern with their spirit. That is why we need to exercise our spirit, our spirit of faith. It is through faith that these things of God's economy and his purpose become real to us. Okay, so then in anger, they cast him out. They take him to throw him off a cliff. Okay, praise the Lord. But he passes through them. Okay, then just uh, the next section is on uh, from verse 31. Uh, maybe I should just end here. But okay, let me just quickly go through this. He begins to teach. He casts out demon. He heals and he preaches. Okay, so his preaching, his teaching is to bring them out of darkness into light. This is our proclamation of the gospel, just like Paul in Acts 26, he says, this is what, what I'm proclaiming, is, is release, is recovery of sight to the blind. You're all in darkness, under the oppression of Satan, but I'm bringing you out of, out of that into another kingdom. Okay, so the Lord's teaching is to enlighten us. He releases us from, he's casting out the demons. Uh, there's, this, uh, there's this evil spirit in verse 33 that, that the Lord casts out uh, and throwing him in verse 35 down in the midst. The demon came out from him. So these demons, they possess man. Instead of man being possessed by God for God's purpose, Satan sends the demons to, to, to possess man. Instead of them being uh, under God's authority, they become possessed by something else. Okay, this is what the gospel is. The gospel is a release. Okay, so he begins to release man from Satan's work on man. Okay, then the third thing is the healing, right? Simon's mother-in-law, she gets healed, not just of our, of our physical sickness, but of our spiritual sickness, of our spiritual weakness, of our spiritual inability, our, our being unable to, 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 to know God. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says that we were without God and without any hope in the world. We, we had no way, right? Okay, so anyway, then the last thing is he begins to speak on the kingdom. And I, I just uh, hope that you can also, uh, if uh, I, I'm not going to share on this now, but in verse 43, there's a very good footnote 
on this uh, matter of the kingdom uh, that I really encourage you to read. Okay, uh, Brother John, he is in Malawi at the moment, but he would also like to share something. So, Brother John, maybe you can, sorry, brother, there's not much time, but I hope you can still use a bit of time to share something with us. I think Brother John might not be able to put on his video at this point in time, but uh, you can go ahead, brother. Praise the Lord, saints. Let me see if I can see myself here. Oh, good to see you all. I hope you can hear me clearly. Well, uh, in chapter 4, is a very important chapter which link between the preparation and the ministry of Christ, being the man's savior. If you're able to go to the outline of the book of Luke, from the outline, it shows to us this man's savior, he needs preparations. That is the problem today. Many today who serve the Lord, they ignore preparation. But the Lord Jesus being the man's savior, he need preparations. Look, what a beautiful picture for us, show us, even he is God. But when he became man, he need preparation. Today, God's ordained way, keep emphasize, even our home meeting, we need preparations. Uh, you want to preach the gospel? You need preparation. You need to visit someone? You need preparation. Anyone who wants to serve the Lord, you need preparation. The book of Luke, the outline show us there are six aspects of preparation. Are you still with me on the outline? Uh, a, B, C, D, E, F, six preparation. Point A, the preparation forerunner conception. That is the preparation of forerunner. We need someone, some forerunners to prepare for us. They pray for us. Okay? You not pop up from the rock. You need some forerunner who pray for you, prepare for you. And then point B, that's conception. That is the pregnancy. The Lord stay in the womb of Mary. That is preparation. And point C, the forerunner's birth and youth, that is not in, in this part, but point D, the birth, the coming out. So we live on this earth. Uh, that is the birth. And then point E, the youth. Uh, the youth, that is, this youth is a very significant. The Lord, he need to prepare for 30 years, but his ministry is only three years. Amen. Preparation is 10 times of your ministry. Uh, our capacity, the impact of our ministry depend on the degree of our preparation. And this is the man savior. Even his God, but he became a man. He needed 30 years of preparation. Uh, I was so enlightened. Sometimes we thought, I know a lot already, and I want to come to ministry. 
but the Lord, even He Himself, He needs ten times of preparation, which included circumcise and present and being adorned and then growing and advancing that is progressing. It's not miraculous, but it's some growing and advancing. These are all under the category of preparation. Okay. Uh, that's the problem today. Whenever we want to serve God, we go in line with mir miracles. Preparation is not involved with miracles. It's just a man's savior. You want to be a man's savior, you need preparation. And point E, inauguration. That means the initiation of your ministry. Introduce, baptize. Baptize means termination. Anoint, that's from God, feeling of the Spirit. Uh, our anointing comes from baptism. No baptism, no anointing. That is the way the man Savior, he prepared himself. You want to say, Lord, anoint me. The Lord said, anoint only someone in the water. Uh, that is through baptism. The Lord received his anointing through baptism. Amen. And then the status. And finally, that is the first part of chapter 4, is testing. Last week, I'm sure uh, Adrian has mentioned about testing. The Lord used test to prepare us. The test is not a punishing, but the test is to prepare us. Many times the Lord put us under the testing. All the testing is to prepare us. And last week, talking about the three testing of the serving ones. Uh, I just rewind. If you have your Bible, you can go back to Luke chapter 4. How he passed through the preparation before he carried out his ministry. And this testing, everyone going to pass through these three testing. The first testing is um, verse 4. Luke 4 4. Is that easy to remember? 4 4. Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Anyone, whether you serve full time or you're having a job, you're going to have this first testing. The first testing is the testing of bread. Um, that's the first testing. The Lord tests you something about the bread, the meal. And the Lord Jesus, being the God man, he passed through the test. And then the second test is chapter 4, verse 5. And he, of course, they're referring to demon. Demon led Jesus. Imagine. God did not <clears throat> test him, but God used the dirty tool, demon, or the devil, um, to test him. Chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, while well, being tempted 40 days by the devil. 
that is by the devil. Chapter 4, verse 5, the devil led him up and shown him all the kingdoms, that is plural, not only one kingdom, but all the plural, all the kingdoms of the inhabited earth in a moment of time. And that kingdoms including, including the time before pre-Adam, before the time Adam was created. We call that pre-Adamic age, all the way to eternity. Anyway, so not eternity, but all the way to the to the time, all the time period of time, within the time, all the different kingdoms in a glance. I don't know how Satan able to do that. He brought him up to the mountain and showed all the kingdoms, not just on top of the mountain, see the city. No, all the kingdoms of the ages within the time span. Satan showed him all the kingdoms of the inhabited earth in a moment of time. Can you stand with that temptation? He did not just show you all the buildings in Palestine, but all the kingdoms. And six, verse 6, chapter 4, verse 6, and devil said to him, to you I will give you all the authority and the glory because to me it has been given, delivered. It has been delivered to me. God delivered to me. Devil, he can give you to you, and you just worship. That's the second temptation. That's the second test. And the third test is four nine, chapter four, verse nine. And devil led Jesus into Jerusalem and set him on the wing of the temple. That wing is on the temple, of the temple, and say to him, if you're the son of God, devil say, hey, when you baptize, the heaven open. Say, you are my son. Of course you are the son of God. Now prove to me you are son of God. But the Lord Jesus, he's not in the position of being a man. He's the son of man. Look, this is the third temptation. Anyone want to serve the Lord? No. You have ask the Lord, Lord, I want to pass through this three temptation. Standing on the wing of the temple and say to him, You're son of God, cast yourself down from here. Jump down. Okay. All the one who would like to perform miracles. For sure, why not? This time I can perform a miracle. I just jump down from the church square. Everybody look at me. I'm standing on the top of the religious realm. I'm pastor so-and-so and apostle so-and-so. I can perform some miracle. I jump down with summer salting. Just to show you I'm the son of God. He maybe can jump down. Some people can jump down with double summer salting and bam! Look at that. I'm son of God. Forget that. That is the temptation. If you come down in stairway, that's a man savior. Amen. Amen. Saints, if you've been led to the wing of the temple, you know wing is a 
It's a very visible place. And then from there you jump down. Everybody can see you and give you an applause, clap your hand, congratulations. Give you a medal. But don't jump down. Come down stairway, nobody applauds you. Nobody gonna give you an applause. These are all the tests the Lord will put us. Today we serve the Lord, we just like a slave. We don't want to be hero. We don't want to perform any miracles. If devil leads you to the wing of the temple, lets you become the chairman, the president of this group, the pastor of the church, saints, be a man savior. Come down the stairway. Amen. Amen. Don't jump down with somersaulting. That is the preparation. The last part of preparation is a test. And then let's come down to the second part of chapter 4. I love chapter 4. Chapter 4 covers these two parts, the preparation and the ministry. And chapter 4, it covers the ministry of the man's Savior in his human virtues with his divine attributes. This is what David mentioned today. Uh, on one hand, he has human virtues, yet his human virtues is, goes together with his divine characteristics, divine attributes, and how he carried out his ministry. And look, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Galilee is a place of Gentiles. And what he did there, he taught, he taught in their synagogue and was glorified by all. And what he was doing here, Adrian mentioned that he proclaimed the Jubilee, mm -hmm. saying, this is our ministry. Our ministry is to release people. Jubilee. Don't go out, perform some gimmicks. Don't go out to rebuke people. Don't go out to frighten people. If you do not do this, God will curse you. That is not our ministry. Our ministry is jubilee. Amen. Release people. Amen. God's people in the Old Testament, they had been kept in the sheepfold. And Christ came is to bring them into the pasture. This is sheep. This is not the sheepfold. This is the pasture. We go out, we prepare, we feed people, release people. Uh, Adrian mentioned, explained Jubilee. It is seven Sabbath year. Seven years, seven years, times seven, 49 years. The next year is a big year, 50 years. 50 years. That is Jubilee. That means before you become slave, because you become poor, you sell yourself, and you sell your land, you sell yourself, you sell everybody, your family, nothing left. But you have to wait, wait, wait until the 50th years, Jubilee came. Oh, brothers and sisters, today in the church life, you can sell everything, don't sell the land. What do you mean sell the land? If you sell the land, you can only receive 
back in the 50th years. That is in the millennial kingdom. <laughs> sell the land means sell the church life. Never sell your land. You sell your land, it does not mean you sell it, tomorrow you're going to get it back. You have to wait until the kingdom age. That is the reality of the Jubilee. Oh Lord, but Christ came, he brought the people in the Old Testament, bring them, bring them to the New Testament. That is the real Jubilee. Today we are in the reality of the Jubilee. New Testament, we no longer in the Old Testament. One part before I prepare this part, I never understand. And that is on chapter 4, verse 26. I'm sorry, 25. But in truth, I say to you, there were many widows in Israel. Underline the word Israel. If you have your Bible, there are many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the sky was shut for three and a half years, when a great famine came over all the land, and 26, he said, and to none of them was Elijah sent. There were many widows, but Elijah did not go to the land of Israel to visit any widows, except or but to a city of Sarepta. Elijah went to the city of Sarepta of Sidon. You know Sidon? Go to the back of your recovery version Bible, the map of the New Testament. Sidon is up there on the northwest, corner on the corner. You know, Sidon is a place of Jezebel. My goodness. We, none of us like Jezebel. But that's the city of Jezebel, Sidon. And Christ, and Elijah, went to that place visit a widow of Sarepta in the city of Sarepta of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And then the second example is verse 27, verse 427. And there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha. Once Elijah, once Elisha. Elisha come after Elijah. In 2025, 20, talk about Elijah, and 26, talk about Elisha. And Elisha went uh, to Syria. Syria is also Gentile. Sidon is Gentile. Syria is also Gentile. And he went to Syria. Verse 27, there, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, except a person, a Syrian, called Naaman. Did you see? If you were there, are you going to get angry? Of course you're going to get angry. That means God forsook the Israel and he turned to Gentiles. This is how we carry out the ministry. To carry out the ministry, is to bring jubilee to those who are poor in spirit. 
It's not come to correct the religious people. All these two stories, either Elijah or Elisha, just indicate that Christ came to the Gentiles. He abandoned Israel. There are many widows, there are many rebellious lepers in Israel. Christ did not come to rebuke them, did not come to correct them, did not come to do anything, but he goes for the Gentiles. Saints, today we are one with the Lord with this ministry, and this ministry, after preparation, we carry out by proclaiming the Jubilee, release them, all the one has been bound with darkness, with blind, and these are all what we saw in uh, in chapter four. Uh, of course, another part I don't think I can able to carry out that, but at least in chapter four we saw it covered two parts: the preparation of man's savior for his ministry, as well as the carry out of his ministry to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. Amen. Saints, we carry out this ministry is not to change the religious people, make them more religious, but we go there to release jubilee. Amen. And those who were poor and they are sitting in the darkness, they were blind, they were lame, they cannot move, but we bring life to them. Amen. 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 It's not a matter how we judge them. Judgment is not our portion. Our portion just give life. Amen. Amen.